words from the past that uh, speak to our lives today. That's we're about what we're about here uh, these Sundays of the summer as we uh, make a concerted effort to uh, dig deeply into what are called the minor prophets. We'll, we'll be having, just starting really, we started last week and now here for a, a second week, uh, looking at uh, the minor prophets. We'll be effectively studying from each of those minor prophets throughout the weeks of the summer. And as we said last week, we'll say again uh, this week, the minor prophets are by no means minor. They, uh, they speak very clearly uh, to our day, just as they spoke very clearly uh, to the day in which uh, they lived. When you think about prophecy, what is it that comes to mind for you? Mo most people, when they think of uh, the prophetic, begin to think uh, about uh, foretelling the future. While that's very much a part of the prophetic, foretelling the future, I've come to know that, um, that prophecy is, is not just about foretelling the future, telling the future, if you will, but it really is, a, as much as anything, a matter of forth-telling the Word of God. Through the prophets, God speaks. He speaks a present word into the, the time in which the prophet lived to all who would listen. Uh, God continues to speak through those very same prophets. So not so much a, a matter of uh, foretelling as it is forthtelling the will of God. Prophets are, are all about calling a spade a spade when it, when it comes to, to living life rightly. Prophets will often talk about uh, the injustices that are perpetrated on others. We'll talk about unfairness. We'll talk about hypocrisy. Prophets will, will, will talk about all these things, particularly when they're done under the guise of religion. Eugene Peterson has this to say about such things. He says, prophets see right through hypocrisy that assumes a religious pose. Interesting. Hypocrisy that assumes a religious pose. They sniff out injustice, especially injustices dressed up in religious garb. So today we, um, we continue to study from the minor prophets. And we, uh, we talk today about one of those prophets that really spoke clearly to his time and continues to speak even to our own. We study today the prophet Amos, he speaks a, a, a challenging word, and, and as we dig deeply today, and as I encourage you to continue to dig deeply, even reading through the whole of the, the book of Amos this week, you, you'll see that, that challenge coming, coming to the fore. Amos's word is just as timely today as it was the day in which he spoke it. So let's, uh, let's turn to the word of God. Today we read from Amos, the fifth chapter, verses 18 through 24. Amos 5, 18 through 24. Let's hear this from God's word. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested 
his hand on the wall only to to have a, a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark, without a, a ray of brightness? I hate, I, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are, are, are a stench to me. Even though you bring me bird offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring a choice of fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-flowing stream. So this is God's word for God's people. and May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. Amos, just like Hosea that we studied last week, prophesied in the 8th century B.C. That was a long, long time ago. Amos was a, a simple man, but he, he packed a powerful punch. Amos was a, a shepherd. He also tended uh, fig trees. Amos uh, hailed from the small town of Tekoa, which was about uh, six miles south of Bethlehem and about 11 miles away from Jerusalem. Amos uh, was from the uh, southern kingdom of Judah, which formed itself in and around Jerusalem. His prophecies, though, were to the northern kingdom of Israel, or, or Ephraim. Amos had little regard for positions of power. He was not at all impressed by them, nor swayed very much by their, their place of authority. Amos knew that his authority came from God, and so he, uh, he then spoke with, with all power, very much God's authority and what he had to say to, to his time. Amos would have agreed with the old adage that uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Amos, if you were to characterize him, was a, a defender of the downtrodden. His heart was with the poor and dispossessed. You know, if you do take the occasion, and I encourage you to do that yet again, to, to read through the whole of, of the book of Amos, you, you'll see his heart for the poor and the dispossessed. He, he really is a, a defender of the, of the downtrodden. Amos knew that the powerful had, had treated the, the poor and dispossessed unjustly. Even some did that under the, the, the guise of religion. They, they hid behind religion doing uh, things that, that were not very becoming the, the kingdom of God. They, they were doing things that uh, clearly left those who were poor and dispossessed out of the equation. Amos knew that the powerful uh, had been uh, living unjust lives in their dealing with other people. Amos was all about holding people accountable. And again, as you dig more deeply into the book of Amos, you're going to find yourself held accountable. You might even find yourself more than a bit uncomfortable. Uh, you may even squirm a bit. The first couple of chapters of the book of Amos contain a series of, of oracles that pronounce God's judgment on all the nations that surrounded Israel. 
and the judgments were really quite severe. Eventually, um, Amos got around to talking about Israel. It wasn't just those surrounding Israel, but he, he really uh, uh, hits the arrow right to the target and begins to, uh, to pronounce God's judgment upon Israel. In a word, Israel had lost its way. They had all the trappings of, uh, of religion, but they were not living that religion out. They were more into ease and, and, and comfort than they were trying to help those whose lives were anything but comfortable. They deemed, uh, uh, they deemed justice to the oppressed and, 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 and sustenance to the, to the poor as just something they were, were, were really not going to be involved in. They, they thought nothing, and, and Amos speaks about this directly, they thought nothing of selling a person for, a, for the price of a pair of shoes if it allowed them to get ahead. In a word, Israel just did not measure up. Amos uh, chapter 7, verse 7, issues an image of a, of a plumb line to make a very, very important point. You, you know what a plumb line does. It, it has a way of telling whether things are, are true or not. Our son John uh, received a, a, a gift from a, a good family friend back when he was in high school. It was this, uh, this plumb line. And I think that um, our friend was essentially saying to John, and he received this very, very well, to live a life that is right and true. Plumb line is, uh, is 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 very very important in, in construction. If your 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 walls are, are not in plumb, you're gonna you're gonna sustain a problem with the the dwelling you're trying to build. A plumb line stands in the midst of who we are, challenging us to consider whether we are in fact living lives that are right and true. And so Amos um, digs in and he uses this uh, image of the of the plumb line, and he does that in Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Let's, let's hear what the prophet says. This is what the Lord showed me, says Amos. The Lord was uh, standing by a wall that had built, been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked him, what do you see, Amos? And, uh, and Amos replied, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Look, I'm setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will not spare them any longer. A plumb line in the midst of the people, seeing that they are out of plumb, if you will, that they are not living lives that are right and, and true, and I will spare them no longer. A tough word for God's people, but he had a word that helped to awaken them to the error of their ways. I think that plumb line is still extended, and I fear that, that we don't measure up. We fall short in so many ways. We, too, are all about tending to our own needs at the expense of the needs of other people. It's quite a bit to think about. There's always something to be done when it comes to the poor and, and dispossessed, to those uh, uh, that, that are sort of on the periphery of uh, what's going on in the flow of today's world. I do fear, though, that we, uh, we fail to really measure up 
to God's call to be active and supportive in the mix of the lives of those people. We fall short in so many ways. We are, we are all about tending to our own needs instead of the needs of others. We are apt to, to figure that we have it all together spiritually when the, the fruit that we bear says otherwise. We're just like those of, of Israel of old when it comes to being just. Let's face it. When it comes to justice, if we, we don't live justly, if we don't pr promote justice, then I've got to ask this question. Who's going to do that? If, if we're not going to do that, then who's going to do it? There are far too many who, who are in this world who are getting the, the, the short sheath while, while we live in, in more comfort than we would ever, ever, ever deserve. When it comes to, to living justly, you and I are, are, consider, are, are called to consider the, 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 the plumb line and how we measure up in regard to whether we are right and true. The prophets have a way of, uh, of holding a mirror up to, to, to our lives, uh, sort of uh, causing us to, uh, to, to look at ourselves. And not just to, to look at ourselves, but to, to really dig pretty deeply in, into who we are and, and, and what we're doing. You know, every one of us will look into the mirror uh, every now and then and we'll say, oh, wow. You know, sometimes that's every morning, you know, as we're, as we're just waking up. The prophet uh, Amos has a way of holding up that mirror. It's not always easy to look at ourselves, uh, particularly in, in, in the light of, uh, of the Lord and his call upon our lives. I've always been challenged with that uh, great passage from 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul, in that whole chapter, writes about love. You, you know 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's even titled the, the love chapter. A wonderful, almost poetic uh, uh, definition of what love is and the power of love in, in, in the world. But there is one verse that just sort of, <coughs> sort of seems to, to stick out, maybe not really be in place. And it talks about seeing in a, in a mirror dimly. Let's hear what Paul writes. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. A really important word in the, uh, in the midst of a, a, a glowing definition, a profound definition of, of, of love. And in this um, great love chapter, we come face to face with the fact that when it comes to living with the sort of love that God has blessed us with and that God calls us to, to, to share, we, uh, we live only in a poor reflection of that love that God first bestows. In God's, uh, God's light, though, love is perfected. When we, uh, when we experience God's love more and more and more, we see love perfected in us. And we are able to reach out as God desires, particularly to the least and last of this world. 
So I encourage you to do a couple of things. To allow God to, 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 to help you to face yourself, to, to sort of look at yourself in the mirror and where you are, and then secondly, where you need to be. And in that stuff of where you need to be in regard to love and reaching out to, to all people, that uh, you see that the, the, the only way to really accomplish that, if you will, is to open yourself first to God's love and then let that same love issue forth. Amos was one of those minor prophets that engages us in a, uh, in a major way. Amos uh, forces us to consider our dealings with the poor. He puts us on notice about the injustices that we, uh, we promote sometimes unwittingly. And let's face it, guys. We, uh, we, uh, we promote injustice uh, and, and don't even know that we're doing it. It just becomes sort of a, a flow of, uh, of life, a reflection of just kind of who we are. Amos challenges us about self-righteousness, no doubt about that. A self-righteousness that, that has a way of, uh, of creeping in when we, we figure we have it all together and the truth be told, uh, we really don't. That's, that's where self-righteousness really, really has its birth. We have the supreme confidence that we've got it all together spiritually when we don't. But yet in that supreme confidence that we have everything together spiritually, we, we have this tendency to just kind of look down on those that we figure don't really uh, hit the mark. Amos, like all the other prophets that we'll be studying this summer, causes us to think, and not just think, but to look deep within in regard to how we live our lives. In the end, every one of us, I pray, myself included, will be challenged to respond. So a couple of weeks ago, I lifted up a, a, a book that uh, my small group is, uh, is, is studying here over the past few weeks as we wrap up the spring. It's a book by uh, Sky Janathi. It's uh, based on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, the title of the book, What If Jesus Was Serious? And he really puts our, our, our feet to the fire in regard to the seriousness of the things that Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount, in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, he, uh, he does a couple of things. One, he, he writes very, very well, very challenging word, usually in just sort of short snippets, sort of a page and a half for each, each chapter. And he also does what he calls a little bit of uh, doodling. And I, I'll tell you, this is uh, some of his doodling. We got a little bit cropped off at the bottom. No big deal. Uh, that's why I'm here. I'll help to explain what you say. <laughs> All right. So he, uh, he has a Venn diagram. You remember those from uh, what? Sixth grade uh, math or whatever. Uh, he talks about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. He talks about orthodoxy, right belief, and also orthopraxy or right behavior. Uh, the strict uh, rendering of that is right practice. And so if you have uh, right belief, orthodoxy, but you don't have orthopraxy or right practice or, uh, or right behavior, then you have to be hypocritical. And he's right about that. And that's exactly where uh, the people were that, uh, that Amos uh, spoke to. It's really the direction of his prophecies. They were people that had the right belief, but not the right practice. 
and in that they fundamentally were hypocritical. Now, here's, here's the line that's cropped off. If you have orthodoxy, right belief, with uh, orthopraxy, right behavior or right practice. If you put those two together, orthodoxy and orthopra uh, orthopraxy, that equals Christianity. That's what we're about. Not just right belief, but right practice. And we hold those two in tension. And I pray that's, that's the way it is for, for every individual, that it is for, for, our, for our church as well, that we hold firm and fast to right belief, but that we also, in, in God's power, in the movement of his spirit, that we're, we're all about right practice. And as the two come together, right belief, right practice, we understand ourselves as a matter of identity, as Christ followers, that makes for a Christian. Right, uh, right belief, right practice. So the question comes to every one of us, how's that sort of thing playing out in your life? And you see at the very middle of that Venn diagram where the two intersect, there's Jesus. That's the doodle for, for, for Christ. He's right there at the center, right there at the center of a person's life. So Amos has uh, this to say about such things. He says this, Amos 5.24, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-flowing stream. So I picked up uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase of the scripture. Uh, it's called The Message. And he puts uh, this passage this way. I hear this. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. Hey, we just had annual conference this week. Really made me think, huh? I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your, your pretentious slogans and goals. And it seems the church is all about that sort of thing these days. I'm sick of your uh, fundraising schemes, your, your public relations and and image-making. Uh, and again, isn't that sort of thing part of the church these days? I've had all I can take of your noisy ego musing. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you, do you know what I want? Do you know what I want? I, I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's all I want. That's all I want. Justice. Fairness. That's what he wants. Of course, all of that based in a, in a strong and secure relationship with God that, that makes it possible for those sort of things to, to actually happen and to happen in an, in an unceasing way. You know, when I read that from the, the message this week, all I could say was, wow. And then immediately I began to pray prayers of forgiveness for the ways that I fall so short for my lack of engagement in the things that, that Amos uh, really uh, challenges us to, to be a part. If we're not heeding the, the call of the prophet to promote justice, then quite frankly, you and I are, are falling short of where God wants us to be. If we're not promoting that sort of thing, 
if we're not living it out in the way that we're living life, then, then, then we're really, just quite frankly, falling short. Justice has everything to do with making things right, economically, educationally, racially, relationally, for all people. Those of us who have uh, given our lives to Jesus are justified. You know, that's a, that's a churchy word. That's a, sort of a theological uh, word that we kick around a little bit. I'm not sure everybody really uh, understands what, what that is, what justification really means. But uh, to be justified means to be made right in the sight of God. It's not anything that we deserve. It's all a matter of grace. There's no way that we can earn God's favor. We're justified. We're, we're made right. Here in that, uh, in that word justified, or being made right, the, the word justice as well. So if that's the case, that you and I are in fact justified, that we're made right in the sight of God, then, then it would stand that we would, uh, would then be in, in, in that great place of then going and trying to, 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 to make things right for other people. That we would be working for, for, for justice and that justice would become front and center in, uh, in everything that we're about. And so my prayer is as, we, uh, as, as I consider this and as, as I call upon you to consider it is, oh God, well up within us. Well up within us. And let justice roll on like a river. You know, we've read this week about the, the droughts in, uh, in, in, in the far west of our own country and how severe they are. And, and, and more pointedly this week, we've, we've read about Hoover Dam and how the, the waters that are approaching the dam are at their lowest level uh, that they've ever been. And... Uh, and, and that they're going to get even lower. And the word is, without water, there is no power. God provides what is necessary for justice to roll on like a river. Because God loves us, we are able then to love others. We're able to love others really in a way that is beyond uh, anything that we could have ever imagined because we have first experienced God's love. Because God is taking care of our every need, we, we find ourselves wanting, and not just wanting, but, but needing to, to care for the needs of other people. That's just the way it is. When we, um, we find our needs taken care of, when we, we understand God's deep blessings, blessings that will never, ever run out, then we, uh, we do find ourselves at a, at a much better place than to turn and, and want to take care of the needs of other people. And then finally, because God's grace has welled up deep within us, has approached our lives, and has made us right with him, that he's justified, we're justified in, in, in his sight. Uh, you know, I can pull out my, my, uh, my, my plum again. We're right and, and true in God's sight, even though we, uh, we don't, uh, don't deserve it. We can do, do no other but 
to turn and to make things right for others, particularly those who are the poor and dispossessed, the needy among us. So let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-ending stream. This is the call of the prophet. It is clearly the call of, uh, of God. It was back in the 8th century B.C., and it certainly is uh, in, the, uh, in the 21st century here in, uh, in the world in which we live. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let's pray together. And so, God, we, uh, we get a sense of your call to, uh, to move from where we are to where you want us to be, to, to move out of places of, of comfort and ease, and to get in, involved uh, well beyond uh, where we are, <clears throat> to the end that we... Uh, we, we would be present in the lives of, of others who really do need our help, really do need our support, really do need uh, us to be a spokesperson for them. Lord, we, uh, we hear your call. And, and may it be that just, uh, just like the prophets of old, that we would, uh, we would respond with, here I am, send me. Lord, use us as you would see fit. May we be uh, people who are not only deeply in love with you, but also deeply in love with others who are around us. Lord, may our eyes be open, we pray, to the need that is around us. May our, uh, our ears be alert and attentive to the cries of the needy. Lord, we, uh, we pray for forgiveness where we, uh, we've fallen short in this regard. We also pray for strength and leadership that you would move us to the place where we are uh, not only seeing need but, but making an attempt to meet it and that we, uh, we, we hear from others and, and we, we, sense, we, we seek then to, to support and to, to bless. So use us as you would see fit to control us and convict us and unsettle us and bring us to places of discomfort to where we would... Uh, finally uh, move, move in the directions that you would have us to go. This we pray in the name and spirit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let us do this. Let's uh, use uh, this time as we, uh, as we move through this next song and contemplate where we are, uh, maybe put the, the plum out and see where we are and where we need to be. Let's um, Let's hold the mirror, or let God hold the mirror up, better put. May we see ourselves for who we are. And then let's uh, just open ourselves, uh, making ourselves available to God, letting him do with us what he will, to the end that uh, justice and righteousness are a part of who we are and what we're doing. May God bless us all.